it's going to be you and me, pal. Together forever. Why don't you stop kidding yourself, buddy? Face it, you're finished. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you guys enjoyed our uh, sideways discussion about uh, sounds and silences. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, they all can't be winners, and um, that was one of them. Like, I feel like I feel like that'd be me, like track and field, where it's like, well, you were you were around, but you didn't you didn't really do your best. I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Can I can I have cake? They're like, there's not cake here. Like, okay, fine. It, that's it's a, a participation metal maybe but it'd be like the one that you get and then you like you you look at and then you forget and then you go home you're like oh where'd the metal go and it's like that's that's how i felt however it did bring me uh one of the greatest sound bites ever for the series so far idle hands make for an unproductive poop deck in a manner of speaking so um so yeah we're gonna move on from that uh from idle hands and poop decks like i i am a 14 year old no matter what let's be honest (laughs) i got i got a lot out of that actually i i i thought that was hilarious i mean if you guys want to go back to uh what was it uh 99 years without slumber i think that's the name of the episode right uh 90 years without slumber the one with the clock yeah the clocks right like go back to that go at the very end of the episode if you want to find out about how much of a 14 year old i am go back to that one because that one, what I did was funny. That episode was not. Uh, that's me patting myself on the back. However, we're on. We're on to the next one. This is nine to go. Nine episodes left of the original series of the Twilight Zone. We're in season five, episode twenty-eight. Caesar and me, uh, air date April tenth, nineteen sixty-four. Number one film, The Carpetbaggers. I'm just going to read to you the um, what the synopsis is for this film, and tell me if you want to watch this or not. Um, So when playboy Jonas, who is George Pappard of the A-Team later, uh, inherits his father's industrial empire, he expands it by acquiring an aircraft factory and a movie studio. His rise to powers is ruthless. He marries and then quickly abandons sweet, bubbly Monica, turns his young, attractive stepmother into a self-destructive actress and manages to disappoint even his closest friend, cowboy movie star Nevada. Is Jonas beyond redemption? Um, the, what I was reading about this, it sounds like it's uh, it's basically like a, a pot shots at Howard Hughes in terms of his like like rise, like being a, like a millionaire and and how he uh, kind of like, like a playboy and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like kind of like kind of like a, like um, a thinly veiled uh, shot at him, like how uh, Citizen Kane was like <laughs> not thinly veiled shot at William Randolph Hearst and his newspaper empire. I watched the trailer for this. It's like, I, I, I mean, you know, I think it has its place in time. I just, 
it, it doesn't interest me, but these, these films that show up every so often where it's like, it's more about like portraying the person And here. If you change it just enough, you can't get the pantsuit off of you by the living person still, you know, representing. Yeah. I don't know anything about this movie. It doesn't sound interesting. Um, that's pr- pretty much all my, my input is on it. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, it is what it is. It's just that you got George Papard who would go on to be, uh, I think he was uh, Hannibal in the A-team. Now, there, right? there is a lot of, and, and it, here's me uh, speaking to like a whole decade of movies. There's a lot I haven't seen from the 60s, and there's a lot of movies that I don't necessarily think are aimed at me as a demographic. That's fair. But there's a lot of movies that are a complete miss for me, and it's kind of unfortunate because that's not me being dismissive of the sixties because there are some really terrific films from the sixties. Yeah. But I, so, okay. Uh, brief aside. Uh, so think about this though. So we're looking at this backwards, like 50 years plus, right? So you and I both grew, both grew up in like the classic rock radio and Hey man, remember this? Like, so all of the best like filtered up, right? It all bubbled up to the top. Right. So releases like this, which clearly was number one film at the time. So it did well enough. I mean, I don't know how long, like what its tale is. Like we'll find out next week if it was still number one. I don't know. But like there's so many. Th- and also at this time, there was a, like a little bit more competitive box office in terms of like studios actually trying to compete against each other as opposed to like you get your tin pole weekend and people get out of the way so they can get their money. Right. There's counter programming and releases now, but there isn't like Paramount and Disney coming out swinging on the same weekend. Right. Like, I mean, I know we're a little post pandemic, but like you would never see like, um, I don't know the, the new ghostbusters coming out against like a Marvel release. Like you wouldn't see that. Because they would, they, they would view that's a cannibalization of each other, right? Here, this was a time where it's like, we're going to give our best-ish, you know, probably, and see what happens, right? So there's probably a lot of things that are put out and released that didn't hit number one. They got tossed to the side because either it wasn't viewed favorably at the time or people were interested. That might be quality movies that we will never know about because they just kind of there and were gone, right? Unless there's a, a cult fan base that picks it up there's so much there that's been like not lost, but uh, not recognized. Right. I'm not saying this is what I'm, I am not saying this is it. Right. Well, but lost in the shuffle too, because I mean, probably the other films from 64, this was not something that was a lot more memorable compared to the, sub, like the big, maybe the yeah. big films from 64. But so to say for you, like, Oh, I don't know this stuff. It's like, I think that's kind of by design. Right. Yeah. I think it's kind of like, you know, there's a lot like, like we, we, we grew up in the eighties and nineties, right. And the, the, the two thousands, there's, there's, there's things that we know that we latched onto at the time that have not caught fire that are just kind of tossed to the side that we're fans of that we're out for a second. Like, I don't know, like, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there something from like your teenage years that you like a lot that no one talks about? Not in teenage, but like twenties, you know, as like you know, a young adult. Dude, that's really like that's a super difficult question to answer right now. Well, yeah. like like for me, like one of my favorite comedies, and it's dumb as it's dumb as a bag of rocks, is like I love Saving Silverman. I think that's a fun movie, but like it was made of that 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 revival of like raunchy sex comedies right after like American Pie, and it has Jason Biggs in it. Like so, it's like, but I like uh, Jack Black and um oh shoot, who's the other guy in that? Steve Zahn. I like that movie. Like it's dumb, but I like it, but I'll champion it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's quite a bit of films. I mean, like I like cry baby a lot. And yeah, like, um, I mean, I know that's John Waters. So people will mention it because of that, but I remember it being kind of like a big thing when it came out, but no one really talks about it yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, and uh wedding singer is one of my favorite films. Yeah. I like, don't, I don't really care what anybody says, but yeah, you know, I'd like, but again, you know, like what we're saying, it's a, it, it getting kind of, 
jumbled in a lot of like the movies and times of that of that era just because like TV shows too like there's so much counter programming that was going on with the four stations that there's stuff that we don't even pay attention to right you know so yeah it's just so i guess i'm just saying like there i guess we'll feel guilt because there's always cool things that we don't know about but like until someone shines a light on it then we won't know to look for it sometimes you know so that's well put. Yeah. Honestly. So, um, yeah, I'll also, uh, speak to the, um, the joys of dark man. That's another film that I like. That dark, get the, dark city, dark, dark city, there dark you go. city there you go. is yeah. the shit, dude. I love that movie. That was the sequel to dark man. That's not true. No. But, uh, <laughs> Everyone's dark now. <laughs> so, so yeah, there you go. So, uh, number one song, uh, was from a band called the, the Bettels. I don't know if you know them or not. It's called can't buy me love. Oh, great um, song. I've been to Vegas. That's not true. Uh, so, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but again, it's number this, they were in the middle of then British invasion, which we talked about last week. Right. So, um, all right. So Good in terms movie too. yeah, um, I don't Patrick Dempsey. Actually, oh, I, okay. There you go. I don't think I've seen that. So, uh, there's me showing my age again. So like if we were talking about eighties films, can't buy me love there fun you go. film. Wonderful. Uh, so what I have for day and date here is a uh, couple things. Uh, April 10th. Uh, there was a gentleman over uh, in um, in Britain who placed a wager uh, with the Willem uh, PLC bookmaking company, which regularly offers odds and accepts bets on on the timing and outcome of future events. Hill offered uh, odds of a thousand to one. He was offered off odds of thousand. He was offered one thousand one odds on the likelihood of uh, any man, woman, or child. Uh, from any nation on earth being on the moon or any planet star or heavenly body of com- uh, comparable distance from earth before January 71. Uh, he placed a bet of 10 pounds, roughly $28 at the time on July 20th night. Uh, and so, so what happens? He placed that bet then on this date on July 20th, 69 would be pre- presented a check for 10,000 pounds, roughly $24,000 now, on a live BBC broadcast shortly after Apollo 11 landed on the moon. So he bet that before 71, we would touch like a heavenly body. That's wild. And, that he, is, and he won. That is wild, man. Uh, screw Kino. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy, dude. I would have totally taken those odds too. Why not? Right. Right. Yeah. So it's 10 pounds at that time, you know, like, I mean, even now, like just, you know, you're just throw like, a, like it's, it's a prop bet, right? Like, it's excellent. Uh, yeah. So other thing that happened today on this day and date too, was the demolition of the polo grounds in New York city. Uh, that's kind of significant because that was, uh, the big sports stadium in New York city that had uh, been home to the giants. Uh, the Mets uh, and the New York Jets football team. Like it was, since it was a polo ground, it was quite large, but it was one of those things that was like this mainstay for uh, like, you know, what we know is like modern sport came through it. So the polo grounds uh, was a big deal. It got, you know, it got torn down at that point. So um, if you go back and look at your baseball history, if you uh, watch the Ken Burns baseball documentary, the polo grounds are mentioned. And I think it's just, you know, it's just, it was a place where a sport was played, but it was, it was a big deal at the time. And not a lot of stadiums have that, that mostly versity of that anymore. No, but like polo, arenas like are the, like, this that. was made for like people on horses, like, you know, chasing each other and whacking ball. You had to have a lot of ground to make that happen. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, uh, you're right. So in terms of like, it was a big New York staple, and it was uh, it was destroyed. <laughs> yeah, Destroy- it, was, it was blown to to rubbish on this day. You know what? Anyway, so 
Uh, so yeah, like, um, yeah, so there's a lot going on, uh, in this uh, day and date. So, uh, that's what I got. Do you have anything? No, no, nothing for day and date. So, um, into our cast, we go here, um, to lead us off here. Our director is Robert Butler. Uh, one, he has one more credit later in the, app, uh, in the season. We'll talk about later. I uh, little star Trek stuff, some Batman and some Hogan's heroes. Yeah. Dude directed a lot of TV, oh, a yeah. lot of TV. Um, he was responsible for um, the pilots for uh, for uh, Hogan's Heroes, the original pilot for Star Trek, I believe, Lois and Clark, The Adventure of Superman, Moonlighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, he also directed 1997's Turbulence with Ray Liotta, where he was like a serial killer on a plane. And I think Lauren Holly was on that. It was right after Dumb and Dumber. So she was kind of having like um, a moment. Like uh, a fever pitch for her. Yeah, kind of. And it's like, it's like, you know, a thriller. I remember watching it. It's I, I remember thinking it was dumb. I'm sure it's not aged well, but hey, you got, you got, you got Ray Liotta with his, uh, Ray Liotta, like no matter what he does in life, his eyes always look like he has like wonderful mascara on his eyes. Like Ray Liotta has pretty eyes. That, let's, can we, can we give that the, the seal of approval? <laughs> like <laughs> I'll give that a thumbs up. Yes. He has yeah. very pretty eyes. Yeah. So um, there we go. We're, and, we're, and, he, and he's awesome. And uh good fellows. Yeah. So we got that. Um, I just want to mention too, since uh, Butler directed the pilot for Hogan's heroes after um, listening to, as I knew him, um, the book from Anne Serling, the, the daughter of uh, Rod Serling, she like mentioned a speech that Serling gave about how he specifically did not like Hogan's Heroes. Did I talk about this last week? Maybe I did a little bit. I, I don't think so. Okay, I think I talked. We I might talk have to some about new during, listeners yeah, in yeah. here. So, w- what was it about? No, it's just he was pissed about Hogan's Heroes about how it, like you know it made it made a joke of like concentration camps and the Nazis. You did not talk about okay. this. Um, yeah, and he was just like frustrated. He was like, if you if you make them like the butt of the joke that people won't take the atrocities seriously. So he was really frustrated with this. And, and that seems completely fair. Cause even if you explain that to somebody now, like if you were to explain what the basis of that show is, it doesn't seem funny. It really doesn't. No, but neither does mash really. Well, but mash is more of a dramedy. Like they're, they're It actually kind of examines, they actually do examine warfare and like ramifications of it a little bit. But this was just more like, oh, those Nazis. And it's like, even the ones that you dealt with were like, you know, well-meaning, but bumbling. It's like, no, I mean. It's more like propaganda type humor, but then they turned it into a show. Well, because the whole thing is like, if you, if you make fun of, which they should be made fun of because they're, they're monstrous group of people. Right. And they, they don't deserve any honor or quarter. However, that takes like the venom out of them. Right. And so then if you don't ever like. Like, um, like I'll give you an example. Um, that film that came out like was two years ago, the, uh, Taika Waititi, uh, Jojo rabbit, where he, uh, he himself plays Hitler, but like, as in like this young German kids, like imaginary best friend. And that thing just pokes fun the entire time, but there's a point to it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't ignore the horrors of war. It just kind of shows how, uh, the, this, this kid's perception of reality starts getting like he, it, when the, the war comes to him, and he has to learn some things about himself and other people like that. That's the way to do it. Right. And with Hogan's heroes, always, always like those Americans are one step ahead. It's like, if those Americans were in a concentration camp, like, and they're not getting out I, whatever. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting that Butler would direct the pilot for that and nothing against Butler. I mean, you know, guy got paid to do a job, different mindsets. Then I don't know where he was at with this. I'm not going to speak to that. I just thought it was interesting that this would come up specifically after listening to that book 
at a, and then hearing about like, cause we talked about with, um, with he's alive that season four episode, like Serling just, he had no tolerance for this kind of bullshit. And he would like call it out. Like, and so that was his frustrations that something like Hogan's heroes was popular. Yeah. Um, and well, especially coming from a bet too. Like, I yeah, mean, <laughs> right. And then I should have, we're recording this the day after the anniversary of Serling's passing as well. So I just like, as much as we're about to get into this episode that has problems and, and whatever, like we'll get to there when we get there. And then I know last week we, we sandbagged Serling's script for sounds and silences. I just kind of wanted to just focus for a minute and like speak to one of the, like, you know, the realities and like, you know, one of the things it's like why I love Serling, you know? So, uh, but yeah, there we go. Uh, there, <laughs> so the guy directed Hogan's heroes and turbulence. So that's what I got for, uh, Robert Butler and he'll come one more episode, which is a weird time to show up into the series, right? It's like, Hey, there's nine episodes to go. Guess you're going to direct two of them. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what that's uh, all about later. But, uh, <laughs> next year we have our writer, uh, Adele Strathfield. Um, she did some Gilligan, Gilligan's Islands episodes and that's about it. She didn't write very much TV. Yeah. However, it's important of note. Uh, so like only Twilight Zone episode three total writing credits. Uh, so she was the secretary for William Frog, who was the producer at this time for this batch of episodes for season five of the Twilight Zone. And so, um, they worked out this episode together. Strassfield is billed as, uh, Adele T. Strassfield. Um, I have a little bit more information about this episode later when we get to trivia, but it's the only episode of this run of the twilight zone that was written by a female. So I at least want to give credit where credit's due. So that's great. You know, and I'm not saying that Serling was never against it, like anything like that. It's just that as much as we're about to get into this weird story, I mean, you know, at least we got a different voice. It's yeah. interesting that it's credited like that too, because didn't he buy a story off of some woman he at did. a party? He did. He he's there's a couple of different times where he's gotten uh, people like like uh, he doesn't when it comes to what was being presented to Kaga uh, Kiaga uh, Productions. Like there's a lot of times things were solicited. They they were asking for solicitation he wouldn't do because they didn't go through the right channels or they already had something similar or whatever. Right. Um, the story for I shot an arrow. Uh, he was at a party, I think talking to a lady and she's like, wouldn't it be crazy if people thought they're going to a different planet and they crash land outside like Vegas? And he's like, I'll pay you $500 right now for that idea. So yes, he was, he was willing to hear ideas. Uh, again, we got to consider that, that, uh, after season three, a lot of his control and approval was like, he didn't have as big involvement. Again, this was William Frog. Um, I just, the trivia I'll get to later will show you, Terry, and it blew my mind at how little Frog understood the show. Like, cause you'd think you're coming as a producer, meaning that you're gonna put this on air. You think you at least understand what you're making. So we'll, we'll get there. That's me teasing some trivia for that, but credit, you know, credit where credit's due, like for her writing an episode of the twilight zone. Okay, yeah. So uh, yeah. On, into our cast we go. Um, so we got uh, Jackie Cooper. She play or Jackie Cooper plays Jonathan West. I'm um, sorry, I didn't. Well, Jackie's not a very Jackie with an I. Ja- yeah, no, no, it's not a typical uh, men's name. And uh, no offense to anybody's named Jackie. Um, Gleason, we uh, hear you know. <laughs> um, so uh, plays ja- jo- Jackie Nicholson. I'm kidding. All right, uh, plays uh, Jonathan West, and then the voice of Caesar. Uh, 104 episodes of people's choice and he was in the superman's movies i, I had to put it down as superman's because yes. he was in all four of the uh 
the Christopher, Christopher Reeves. Reeves. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Even bigger, bigger deal. He was one of the little rascals as well. Uh, God, I'm surprised I missed it. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at age nine, he was nominated for best actor in 31. Uh, so yeah, he, uh, yeah, he had like you know, like he wasn't one of the original Little Rascals, but he was brought in pretty quickly and became one of them. Like I don't, I don't know how you like. Is it like Menudo? You just keep switching in people. I don't know how the Little Rascals work. Whatever. Anyway, but yeah, so he was a child actor, kept working, and so and from sixty four to sixty nine. So during the course of this episode being produced, right, he was vice president of program development at Columbia Pictures, Screen Gems TV. He was responsible for packaging series such as like Bewitched and selling them to networks. So he got really ingrained into like, like, you know, how the sausage is made for TV. Right. Um, so then, but you mentioned him as Perry white and the, the, like all like the, not like, yeah, the first four Superman films. So, and it was funny because, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, over on the other show that I do, uh, invasion, the podcast, we, we were doing a year of the sequel, uh, and we covered Donner's cut of Superman two. So I'm just like, when I'm seeing Jack Cooper, I'm like, he looks familiar. I'm like, well, no shit, you know, but this guy is like, you know, Hollywood royalty in a lot of ways. And like, I, you know, he, he's not the problem with this episode. Like I, I, I did like him in this. Yeah. He plays in a, a very interesting character and, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll discuss that soon. Um, next here though, on our credits, we got Morgan Brittany. Um, she's back. Uh, she, <laughs> Everybody run. All right, she's no. back. Um, so she plays Susan in this episode, but she had two other credits uh, for the Twilight Zone, and that was Nightmare as a Child. And not too long ago, we dis- uh, we discussed her um, season in four. season four yeah. in Valley of the Shadow. Yeah. All right. Here, and, yeah. So, and it, it, uh, also she did uh, Playhouse 90, and she was in The Birds for a very small bit. Uh, but her biggest credit was 56 episodes of Dallas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I have a quote from her, too, when we get to some of the trivia here at the end. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, moving on, we got uh, Sarah Selby. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays Agnes uh, Cuttery. Cuttery. Could, yeah. <laughs> the, she's the landlady in yeah. this. Um, she, uh, I, I have to point out she was born in Middletown, Ohio. There so, yeah, Ohio connection there. Um, and she also did a little Playhouse 90 there. Um, and she was in 18 episodes of Father Knows Best. Yeah, I she was like, I swear I thought I saw her from other things because she she just has that look. I thought there was you mean um, the bird nest that's on top of her head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, there was um, uh, oh, what was the name of the episode? Uh, there was a season three episode where there was like um, uh, like an ant that was put upon, uh, and I was like, oh, I think that was her, and it not. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Playhouse 90, she had an uncredited voice in Dumbo. Also did a lot of TV work. Yeah. So um, next we have Don Gazaniga. Yeah. Gazinga. I don't know. know It sounds close enough. Uh, He plays a detective in this episode. A very small role. Um, Mission Impossible. A little bit of that. Um, Next we have here uh, Stanford Rep. He plays a prom broker. These are very small roles for a lot of these yeah. people throughout this episode. Our main characters have already been talked about, but we're going to have to mention these people because some of them have some very important credits. Um, so I'm sorry to say. Um, sorry to say. No. We're, we're, uh, so the Stanford rep. Uh, he, he Outside of uh, this, he did two episodes uh, of Twilight Zone, Nick of Time and The Grave. Mm-hmm. And then 120 episodes of Batman. That's Chief O'Hara. Yes. yes. Uh, so uh, next we have Kenneth Con- 
Kanapoka? Kanapoka? Kanopa? Kanopa. Yeah, that, you know, that sounds better. Yeah. Um, we're going to go with that. That's your new name. Um, <laughs> Mr. Miller, he plays in this. Uh, Co- Kenneth Copacabana. <laughs> down at the Copa. Konopaka. Um, uh, he has 18 credits. Didn't really know any of those credits. Um, next, we have Sidney Mirren. Yeah. Uh, he was the watchman in this. 30 credits that he had had. Didn't really, I wasn't really familiar with any of those. No. Like he would pass away the next year. So this is one of his last credits too. Um, um, not that that's, I just, you know. Like, we're we're kind of like working our way back up the hill here. So uh, Roger McCord. Yeah. Robert McCord. Robert, Robert <laughs> McCord. Why did I say Roger? I, I mean, it's just 31 of 32 appearances in the Twilight Zone, you know. Ramblin' Record. Oh, no, but no, no, it was funny because I, I ended up um, watching this episode with my wife uh like the one night because i'm just like we just because you know like the prepping for these shows i'm just pull the curtain back it's like you know once we get done the clock starts ticking for the next episode so you got to fit in for me i watched the episode once blind and then i'd take notes so like the one night i'm just like can we just watch this because she likes twilight zone as well and i i deliberately paused the screen and i was like that's robert mccord that's like, it was one i of those recognize <laughs> those hands that face that shadow yeah that <laughs> was one of those things where i'm just like that's him like you like now that i after uh uh persons or persons unknown uh it's like i i now know what he looks like i'm like yeah. and then and now to know that we're only going to get one more mccord is kind of kind of bittersweet but i know we're only like we only have eight more episodes after this so yeah but clearly plain as day Robert McCord. But he's actually mentioned in the credits here. Yeah, so as not- man watching. Man yeah. watching audition, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh on uh we go to Olin Saul. Yeah, Soleil Soul. Soul. Yeah. Uh, plays Mr. Smiles. Who the hell is Mr. I Smiles? Just, is that the voice movie? of the dummy too? I don't know who that is then. I don't I, know. I, I think Mr. Smiles is supposed to be the dude at the uh the like to try to get a job for Jonathan. Think, oh, that, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think that's yeah, the deal. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Than so, like, like the temp agency guy? The temp, yeah, okay. let's put it that way. He's the temp agency guy. Why in the hell he's called Mr. Smiles in us? I have no, no idea. There was no mention. I Whatever. I was, I was trying to pay really close attention to this 22-minute episode to figure out who the hell Mr. Smiles was. Um, but... One other Twilight Zone episode, The Man in the Bottle. Yeah, one of the uh, season two episodes. That's that is the one with the secret Hitler yeah. in it. That's great. Where yeah. the guy was just for power, and he's just like, "Oh no, I'm Hitler!" Mm-hmm. And that will always stick to the our our, our uh, adage here is, "Don't be Hitler." Right. So, like, <laughs> so, so uh, but uh, but continue. Yes. More importantly. Um, he was also in The Day the Earth Stood Still. Okay. He was the voice of Batman in like so many different adaptations of the cartoon. Like Super Friends, yes. Yeah. Like, well, like across the board, like yeah. even with Scooby Doo and stuff when they yeah, had yeah, Batman. Yeah. But Johnny Midnight. Take a drink. Yes. So there we go. Uh, in, honor, in honor of uh, the Johnny Midnight. Both of them. Sober, reliable, the best men. I'm yes, working on not being. I, yeah, me too. Uh, no, I just, uh, just again, we're, we're, we're towards the end of the series. Everybody just lets you know that just there's these weird connections. Um, and over time we found uh, a lot of connections to a show called Hawaiian Eye. There are other connections to a show called Johnny Midnight, which if I was supposed to be like a um, late night DJ on the radio, that'd be my name. Johnny Midnight. Johnny Midnight. Bringing you the super hits of the 70s. Spinning the wheels of steel. 
giving you the best yeah. of the seven. You out there with your woman tonight? Make sure that you love her good. Here comes some, like you know, here, yeah. like, I don't You're like Wolfman Jack. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't be as gruff, but it'd be like yeah, Johnny and Midnight on the radio with you guys. You know, like sultry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's our cast and crew here. Uh, I I always like I always say crew like 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 we didn't get into like uh, boom mics and everything else. So I feel bad about that, but yeah, uh, that's our cast. That's our director. That's our writer. Uh, let uh, let Mister Sherling introduce uh, Caesar and me. Jonathan West, ventriloquist, a master of voice manipulation, a man late of Ireland with a talent for putting words into other people's mouths. In this case, the other person is a dummy aptly named Caesar, a small splinter with large ideas, a wooden tyrant with a mind and a voice of his own, who is about to talk Jonathan West into the Twilight Zone. So, okay, with this episode, I don't think it's ripcord worthy, right? Versus like sounds and silences. However, like what is going on with this episode? There is a lot of change of scenery from back to forth to back to forth. And uh, basically how weak our lead character is here and like yeah, so bet, susceptible to. Yeah. I'm not upset with our, with our actor. Like again, I'm not upset. The character, with, yeah, but with, yeah, the yeah. actor did a great job of portraying the role. Yeah. I'm not upset with Jackie Cooper, but like but the, the script character is, yeah. is I, I he's just, he's so malleable and uh, so trusting of a piece of wood that's able to talk to him. Yeah, like I just so okay, guys. Just a spoiler alert here. Uh, if you're not watching this episode, uh, it's about a ventriloquist dummy that can talk and has its own personality. However, um, it can do its own thing sometimes. It gets yeah. a little weird about what it can and can't do. Yeah, gets a little loose. There's there's some interesting shots, but I think that those shots <laughs> there's a couple aren't used. that I like. That just like just how it's just like <laughs> see the top of its head move around or whatever. Yeah, and you but, can. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. That no scene. <laughs> yeah. No, but so we, we first see uh, Mr. Jonathan West selling his watch at a pawn shop. The pawn broker is like, I'll give you like five bucks, or whatever. He's like, well, he's like, I have a family member that gave that to me. He's like, okay, can you hold on to it? He's like, yeah, for a minute. I'll give you $25 for the dummy. And then he's like, nah, I can't do that. This is my living. And so then he goes back to it. Like it's, it's a, um, it's a flop house, right? right. It's a, whatever you want to call it, like a boarding house. Yeah. Uh, and then that's when we meet the other main character in this episode, Susan, who is um, like an eight-year-old little girl? Yeah, um, I'm just gonna say it now. Like she's a, she's a mean little girl, and I don't. I mean, maybe I shouldn't put this upon Susan's a bitch. That's she's a, what she, she's, she's a jerk a, face jerk. She is a bitch. Like there is just she is like you see her with like a dart gun, and she like shoots a dart near him as he, as Jonathan's trying to grab his keys off the like you know the pegboard. And then, and then what was it? Um, her, her aunt or whatever mother was like, Oh, aren't those poison darts? And it's like, wait, poison darts. And then she's like, they're not really poison darts. I'm Who like, the hell buys this for their niece. Anyway, yeah, too. And just, I, for, for, all right. So I need to ask a question. I know people are raised by, you know, their aunts. I was raised by my grandparents and that, what the hell is this little girl doing? Which roaming around a flop house, whatever you want to call it, like a, an apartment building shooting darts. At random strangers. No, her her behavior I call it a question, but the idea of like being raised like we we don't know how people right. you know, are, just are like, raised, like right? So the aunt is not doing a good enough job of being like uh, not only protecting her little girl, but protecting her tenants. Yeah, I just <laughs> I, I you know it's like I just feel like it's like when you go to the supermarket where it's like, nah, just let them do whatever. It's like, no, I just want to buy my groceries and not have to navigate 
like these tiny, like Unruly, deadly people, yeah. you know, like just whatever. Tiny so, deadly people. Yeah. Yeah. No, she has this like full on, like speaking of like Batman, like a dark gun. It's like, this thing is ridiculous. Like I, I kind of want one now. Like it feels like something out of Roger rabbit. Like that how thing big looks scary. It also speaks to, that speaks to how toys were just weapons back then. <laughs> Can they kill? It's just like, Good Oh, enough. it's like baby's first grenade launcher. I'm like, what? Like, you know, it's just, <laughs> You know, like just whatever. So anyway, it's marketable. Yeah. So the whole thing is like, she's just kind of shitting on, on Jonathan the entire time. And then what the uh, hell? I don't understand it. What the it, hell? Yeah. Why, what, I, what is dude? Jonathan gross spine. Don't be right. It's I, like, he, you, the, you pay to be there sort of. Yes. No, he does. <laughs> well, I mean, we find out that his rents do and that, uh, you know, the, the, the lady who's running the joint, she's like, she's very like, amenable to him because he's like you know yeah. charming and nice and well-meaning so she's like yeah let's get this going uh like just you get you know you'll get me soon right and so then he ends up going into this like his little flat and then like he's talking to caesar and kind of just, i know he's irish but the notion of like i'll make some fine potato soup it's like said nobody ever like i don't what is that like what is what is potato soup i love potato soup no no i like, love potato soup no no but like you can have like <laughs> like cream potato soup. I don't know. It just feels like it was like a boiled potato soup, which is just like just starch. I, I think that just like feeds into the stereotype, which I don't like. I don't like how every joke about Irish people is about drinking and about potatoes and that. Yes. And it's like, I'm tired. I'm, I'm done with that too. So yeah, <laughs> like it, it, let's, let's, I mean, cause this was still around the same time, but the Irish were still getting, you know, yeah. I mean, the yeah. little blows there, and Depend, you know. depending upon what kind of part of the country it is, it's like Irish weren't considered white yet by everybody. <laughs> no, seriously, like they were, they were like shit upon when they would come over, right from yeah. from Ireland, right? Like, and they weren't treated as like regular, like you know, normal people. My wife, like, my wife was still being called a Mick at her job. Oh no! Uh, yes. I know that's like I, I, I was I, she was she like angrily drinking her potato soup though. No, like, she was <laughs> she was she was in food service. How messed oh, up is that? Oh, Somebody, man. yeah, handing out her food. I know that's a racial slur, but I'm saying it in the most negative to the negative <laughs> manner here. You're not saying somebody that, shouldn't be you, calling you're my not wife saying that a, as a one, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like I could not uh, believe uh, that. Uh, of, of all of all the most offensive racial slurs, I think you don't say anything worse than that. I, that's no, 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 no. We're not going to go there. But it's like, I yeah, especially yeah. after all that, being married to an Irish woman. Wait, and so that, it's like, it's like really, on, that's what. Stop. That's really what. Oh, I don't understand yeah, that. Like, like I couldn't believe that. I was like, what? I, you know what year it is? Stop. I mean, I you know I I'll admit this on the show that whenever I was engaged to my wife, my uh, my father misunderstood what it meant to be married into a, a family of, of Jewish people. And he was like, well, you don't have to worry about money anymore. I'm like, dad, that's not how that works. Like, you know, but he was well-meaning when he said it. And yeah, it was like, one of those things like where I'm like, stereotype. I can't be upset. At, like, uh, like you're trying to be nice, but no. Right. So we're getting off track, but yeah, like anyway, I just don't, I, I don't like how this just, character is. Just the written. way he said potato soup just made yeah. me sound like, made me feel like he just took potatoes and dropped it in the water and just let it ride. And even that felt, that felt disgusting to me. And even Rod Serling, like, and how like he, he said that he was uh, Irish and that. It's like, Something, yeah. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, you know, I, I get, we need a little backstory here, but I think they're leaning too hard. And like, he even says later, like, 
I came over here for me fortune. Like you're not like stop. me lucky charms, you know. Yeah, and, then, it's like, and then he did a dance. It was really weird. No, yeah, um, it's just like no. stop. Just stop it with the stereotypes. <sighs> it's not funny. It's not right. I mean, whatever. Well, it's no, the it's 60s, just, like, but like, no, 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 it's not it's right. Just, like we talk, I think you and I talked about this. Like you know, when we're not recording, it's like St. Patrick's Day just pisses me off because it's like so many people are like, today's the day to drink and act like an idiot because I'm like my like I have grandparents that are Irish. I'm like. That's not what that's supposed to be, you know, like, yeah. but whatever anyway. So, so uh, yeah, anyways, back on track here. <laughs> so, yeah, so John, um, Jonathan, I, I, I keep on trying to call him John, but no, he's no, really it's, he's, proper. He, he's hard up. He's yeah. out of money. He's talking to Caesar. Yeah. We find out that um, Caesar he has an C- ability. Caesar's his own. He's yeah. his own deal. Like he's a dummy. Sorry, a ventriloquist dummy, but he's openly talking without Jonathan manipulating him. He's his own entity right? from the jump, which to me at first I was like, that's interesting. It's interesting, but I think throughout the rest of the story, it could have been played in a better manner. Yep. So, but this is how I want to believe Jeff Dunham lives his life. That's how I want to believe it. Like everything controls him. That that, I, yeah. that could be very well true. I mean, you know, whatever. I don't know anything about Jeff Dunham as a person, but yeah, you know, he probably I just want to believe his old man puppet was like, he just found him and the guys was like, just been bitching at him. From the jump. I want to believe that. And I, I just want, if, if anybody's just tuning in now. Um, <laughs> right now, tuning in to this podcast 38 minutes. No, in. no, not, not now. <laughs> I'm saying to this episode, you jerk. Oh, it is uh, like, like, if this is your first. Uh, like, throw the car radio and just dial, switch in the <laughs> dial. To, well, I guess my wordage is not the correct uh, uh, verbiage. They're just um, like, is Johnny Midnight on? Like, I got to tune in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if, if this is your first introduction to us uh, as a podcast and that we, we have covered uh, a few other storylines where there has been dummies or, um, uh, dolls, um, talkie Tina. Yeah. Living doll, which is earlier this yeah. season. We covered the film magic from what was it, 73, 74. With yeah. Anthony that Hopkins. was uh, our more recent conversation. Yeah. And um, then, and then season three, there's an episode called the dummy uh, that Which has, is the same dummy, isn't it? It is it's the same. Yeah, yeah, it's the same dummy that has um, oh uh, Uncle Ben from Spider Man. Um, shoot, Cliff Robertson, yep. who is like in in that episode, and then also a hundred yards over the rim. Uh, so yeah, the idea of like a ventriloquist dummy, it, it's an interesting or, or a dummy having its own personality and assertion and pulling the Michigan J Frog, where we all know, but when anybody else comes in, it doesn't do anything. Um, yeah, this, the, we have seen this before. This goes, I mean, credit, I'm going to do a lower KC credit to this episode that it takes in a little different direction. Yeah. So with that said, um, you know, like Paul said, we, we have, uh, a, a, a completely different character in Caesar, the dummy. He is kind of the motive here for a little bit. Um, and he talks to uh, Jonathan about how he's a schlub and he's got to get he's got to get his act together and he's got a plan. Caesar's yeah. got a plan. I like that his name is Little Caesar, which we, we joked about this first start recording. It's like, I just wonder if that's where the pizza came from. Like, just you got this guy carrying this case around. It says Little Caesars, you know, maybe, you know, perhaps maybe, <laughs> um, you know, but yeah. So like we find out that. His whole thing to begin with was that he was supposed to go get a job. He has an audition. Uh, Jonathan and Caesar bomb 
the audition. Yeah, it's bad. Like, Caesar doesn't even really help him. Like, no. it, like, and so we got, that's where we see, uh, you know, our, our friend McCord, like not say a word, but judge him. Um, and then and when we go back to the, 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 the tiny, like the boarding house, this is when we find out that Caesar just can kind of move around like, and it's, it's done in like, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's, it's cheaply done, but also kind of great because like, you just see like the top of his head and stuff just move around. I kind of dig it. Well, we also see Susan come into the room. Yes. And, yeah. and she, she asks, uh, Jonathan to show her the trick. Like, let me, let me see how you do the, the laughter again, whatever. Yeah. Like she's, she's interested, but she also knows that this is something more than Jonathan is capable of. She has her suspicions. You're right. Yeah. She she keeps goading him into showing her the tricks of ventriloquism. Yeah, exactly. And so they do a little joke. She doesn't see the movement of, uh, uh, Jonathan's lips, which at this point too, I don't know if you remember it, but, um, Caesar's lips don't move. So which that makes a hell of a lot more sense because he's supposed to be projecting his voice. Exactly. So it's like that's that's something we'll see a little bit more through this episode. Yeah. Is the conversations between Caesar and Jonathan. Caesar is actually moving his lips. In this moment, he doesn't move his lips, which it's interesting. I'm glad that they did that because you know, obviously, how could it move its lips? But I yeah, wish they would have carried that over. I wish I wish Jackie Cooper would have actually done his best to try to mimic like the throat movements that you see from actual ventriloquism because uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins in magic and Cliff Robertson actually did that as well. And the, and the dummy. Right. So it was like, like to, you gotta, you gotta sell the illusion. Even if this thing is like, it's self-propelled, you are a ventriloquist. This is your dummy. You, you have to kind of at least fake it. Like if you, if you can't convince a young girl, how are you going to convince an audience? It's just that little bit more, just yeah. that little bit more you got to give. Yeah. So, um, but no, you, that's a good point. Uh, so yeah. So then, but when she sees that, like that's, that's, so that's when they go off to the, um, to the audition. That's when things fall apart. Right. So in terms of not getting the, getting the, audition, well, they went to the rehearsal. Then Susan comes in. That's right. Uh, she yeah. pulls her little thing. And then when she walks out, Caesar says, "Hey, we got to keep her out of here. Like <laughs> yeah. she's she's trouble." It's like, "Listen, I'm a talking dummy. She freaks me out." Yeah. <laughs> Dude, those eyes. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, no, creepy. intense. And like just she no, like credit to the the young actress, like she she like runs it up, right? She's to the hilt. So, yeah. I'm not mad at the actress. I'm just mad at the character. Which I, is the I hate point. the character. I, oh. I, th- I think she's like, she's overwritten for this. Yeah. Like I said, I got some trivia later about her dealing with, uh, with the lead actor because he was a child actor growing up. Like, so that with, uh, Jackie Cooper. So that's a different relationship. Yeah. And I think that was for her, it was probably the best case scenario of interacting with him because he knew what it was like to be back then, like be younger. But yeah, she is overwritten. And a monster. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. that that's when we see, uh, you know, Caesar says, "Hey, we got to keep her out of here. She's 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 trouble, whatever." And then he starts. Um, I don't. I think the riding around on the room in the room is actually a little bit later um, for what you're talking about. Maybe but, yeah. uh, either way. Um, but uh, yeah, at the rehearsal, John bombs. Um, Caesar gives him some crap while they're walking out too, and I'm like. That's probably not the best 
idea because they're still with an earshot too. I don't know if you noticed that. Too. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, like, there's a whole thing too where it's like you like get probably like a psycho at this point. Yeah, you get the notion of like he's supposed to be like oh, like every ventriloquist you have the thing where it's like it's the, the dummy, not me, right. you know, type of thing. But I don't normally hear the dummy just like unloading on like well, you got some of that self-deprecating humor, right? But it's like. All right. Well, I mean, also it might be like you, you failed your interview just out the door. You're just going to like, you, the only way you know how to project is through whatever. But you're right. If I was uh people watching, I'd be like, Oh, he's really committed to this bit. I didn't like it at all. I'm glad we passed on him. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Anyway, so he goes back to the building where he, he you know, he's, he's tenant. Um, and, uh, so I lost my, Lost my computer, but I know exactly what's going on. Um, so he goes back to to his uh, building. The landlady gives him a little bit of grief about the rent and everything, and he said, "Well, you know, I, I got some things lined up, but uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit of time. I should be able to get it to you tonight." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Well, hey, guess what? I I'm going to hook you up. Um, you can go to my cousin. He, he he's a yeah, that's right. The, that he's yeah. a, um, a, a an tip agent, agency, tip yeah. agency." And he'll help you out. And so he, when he goes to the temp agency, um, <laughs> <laughs> we find out how how ill equipped Jonathan is for anything, right? And so he doesn't. He's not a salesman. It's almost like he has a communication degree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you go to a liberal arts college? Do you have a communication degree? <laughs> I'm sorry, there's no jobs available for you. Like, can you can you do typing? No. Okay. Can you do heavy lifting? No. Can you do any? No. But what else can you do? Well. I did learn how to film myself talking. Like that's not going to help any of us. I'm sorry, you know, because it's his his skill set. It was being like an apprentice to a puppeteer. Yeah, that that that's the only thing that he has to offer as far as like skilled labor that he has in his back pocket. Which I mean, I'm not a skilled laborist either, um, you know. But you know, I I able I was able to find a job. So, uh, Jonathan, what the hell? Yeah, my thing is like, oh money are you are you alive and upright can you move can you pick up stuff there do, you go do you know how much he paid in back rent too he yeah. paid like 38 bucks i don't jonathan do get your shit together yeah like yeah. seriously i mean even a newspaper like boy could make more money than you at this point <laughs> i mean sometimes you just gotta like you know you just gotta go in like uh like you know forearm deep to whatever it is and do your job and he could have been on 52nd street man he could have been he could have been over there talking to the to people come on into the theaters and that yeah he could have been running the peep shows in new york yeah Yeah, why not you know i mean when there's a will there's a way you there's 24 hours in a day brother yeah um but yeah so come on in for me potato soup (laughs) 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 but yeah so uh you know he, he he says I, you know, he tells him, I, I don't have any of those labors. He, t- he tells him that he is a virtual, no, the, uh, the puppeteer, right? But that's like the, just, he's like, oh, it's like, there's no temp jobs for being a ventriloquist. Yeah. Oh no. It, yeah. So whatever. So Atlantic he, state doesn't exist yet. I'm sorry. No. Anyway. So yeah, it's like, we find out like basically the whole point is that he, his, he doesn't have the skill labor to do the thing. Right. So that's where we're at with that. So, um, so yeah, so when we go from there, uh, is that's when we find out that like uh, Caesar has plans, right? So um, I like the idea that Caesar was like, "Hey, um, 
we're going to go rob a delicatessen. And he's like, I don't want to do that. He's like, do you want to get paid? And he's like, sure. So there's the whole, like, like, like you hear the whole dialogue between them. It's like, where are we at right now? You idiot. And he's like, I'm near the delicatessen. He's like, there's yeah, nobody around. And he trips over, like he almost trips over a paper stand or something like that. Like yeah. well, what's going on? He's just like, well, just lost my footing. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, so then I just want to point out, I'm going to show this to you right now. There, there, I have a screenshot I'm going to put up on our Facebook later of whenever uh, uh, he goes to break into the delicatessen. Uh, do you, what do you see in the background? This this cracked me up. I just see a sign that's handwritten that says Jake's, Jake's special, special cheese. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> 85 cents a pound. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't want it either. No, way. I don't want Jake's special <laughs> cheese. Not at all. Oh gosh, that seems terrible to me. <laughs> I, I think there was also. I swear to God that there's there's another Irish joke in here too. Because when he when he goes into delicate delicatessen and he he's shutting the the window or whatever, you could see right behind his head it says corned beef. I'm like, <laughs> stop. Stop yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I don't I don't know too many Irish jokes about Jake's special cheese. All right. So if we didn't name these episodes after the actual episode title, that would be the title <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so I like That's that. our late night. Yeah, it's uh, our late night. It's uh it's uh Strange Highways After Dark. Jake's uh, special cheese. Jake's special cheese. Uh brought to you by Johnny Midnight. No, so I like the idea that he uses the the carry case for Caesar. Yeah. And it's, it's like all right, well, I mean, he's heavy enough. You got the case. Just break the window. I mean, <laughs> like, we've seen somebody use a dummy in a movie as a deadly weapon, yeah, a, a not, melee right? weapon. Yeah. So anyway, so at this point, uh, he becomes a very shitty Batman villain is what I wrote in my notes here. <laughs> I do apologize. Terry, see my notes. I wrote these when I watched the second time. Kind of drunk when I wrote the notes, so it's not going to make much sense. So. I, I, I mean, I'll take drunken notes over not having notes at all. Yeah. yeah, my 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 laptop folks has just died right yeah. in front of me. We'll get through it. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so 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 when he goes back after breaking the deli, uh, Susan comes over and like puts her ear to the door and hears him and Caesar talking, and it's like this whole thing where Jonathan feels guilty, but he's getting paid, he's covering his debts, and Caesar is like, "Just go to sleep. Don't worry about it. You yeah, know, don't worry about it. We got it right." Right. So uh, I like how Susan just happens to be there every yeah. time. Like, what has she got going against Jonathan? What I don't the know. hell did I he do like to she, her? I feel like she just hates the Irish. I don't like that at all. But it's uh, pissing me off. I yeah. don't like her as a character because, no. again, like overwritten. But I was like, why does she have to be this private eye? Yeah. So then later on, uh, as he's gone, as Jonathan's gone, she actually. Uh, Gets into his room. I, I'd say break it, but that's not right. She just because it's a boarding house. She gets in there, and then she uh, like looks around and she confronts Caesar, and he has a cigar in his mouth. And she's like, "Do it. Do the thing that you can do." And she breaks the cigar in his mouth. She's basically like commanding him to talk, um, which he doesn't do at that point. Um, so then, at that point, Jonathan comes and is like, "What are you doing? Like, why are you in my room without permission?" A good question, but whatever. She's suspicious. He feels guilty for what he'd done for the delicatessen. Then that's when we get the bit of him when we get Jonathan there talking to Caesar. And then we get Caesar like moving around. We see the top of his head. It's like, it's funny, but it's also kind of like, like it, it's upsetting in kind of a weird way. It's a little forced too, because, yeah. you know, like we don't necessarily need him 
moving around or anything like that. No. We, we see enough of the other sequences where he's able to move his mouth, he's able to move his eyes, whatever. That It just seemed like it was too much at that point. But I, especially for the fact that you can actually hear rollers. I, I was able to hear the I roller. didn't hear that. That's, yeah, a, good, that's I, a good pickup. I, I had my headphones on, so I, maybe it wasn't a very, like, a loud sound for a, the typical consumer in 1964. No, no, like it, was on, it was on the set. They were pushing this dummy around. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I kind of wish we would have seen the sequence then lower because he can't walk. You just see the burr, mm. That'd be great. But anyway, so Caesar uh, convinces him that they got to do one more job, right? And then the big uh, shoe. Yeah, the big shoe, right? Which is not the first time we've heard that statement in the season. So they're going to rob the club that um, that Jonathan bombed his audition at. So then as they're going in to like rob, like actually open the safe and whatever, uh, that's when we get the world's oldest nice watchman showing up to like, you know, confront the guy that passes away a year later after filming this episode who confronts him. And then Jonathan, via what Caesar told him to say, was like, oh, I thought the owner of the club told me to meet him here. And the night watchman's like, no, he left 45 minutes ago. He's like, oh, okay, my mistake. I'm out. Ignore my, my trunk full of money, you know, so whatever. So then we get, we, we find out that like, uh, uh, I don't know why I wrote my notes. It looks like Susan's eating some amusement park beans because we just <laughs> talked about the amusement park. It looks like she's <laughs> eating some beans there, but she sees him come home, uh, to the, to the flop house. So she goes and like listens. Right. And that's what we find out about. He's talking to Caesar about what they did. So yeah. she knows. And then actually at that point, she like her, her aunt's reading the newspaper about like the break in. So that's when she's eating the beans. Right. And that's when she takes a quarter goes with the payphone, was like, Hey, I know who did the thing. And it's like, that's why I wrote in my notes here. Susan is a bitch and a rat. <laughs> Big rat. Yeah. Um, and it's like, definitely for this episode if you didn't have susan as a character you wouldn't have been able to move this story along so it's like she was forcing the story along they didn't i just think i i think if we'd had one more character or one more beat in the story it could have moved a little bit easier if she was played like not as like evil yeah but more like i don't know about you man like growing up it's like magic and all this stuff was fascinating right and if she's like living in this boarding house where it's a bunch of transients trying to find their way in the city. If you have somebody that's a com- like a comedian that's a ventriloquist, like that's interesting to a kid. Wouldn't you just be constantly be like, hey, you know, Mr. Jonathan, show me how you do this, how you do this. And then that's when she discovers the truth as opposed to being an antagonist the entire time. I think that would have played better for me. Yeah, or if like she was just curious and then all of a sudden she felt slighted by Jonathan or Fair Caesar yeah. and then like, oh, well, I'll tell you what's up. Yeah. And it caused the cops, which yeah. she inevitably does. She she goes ahead and drops a dime <laughs> on on Jonathan. Like literally, she puts a dime in the, in the phone booth. Anyway, <laughs> so, so the cops show up uh, and then the moment they do, Jonathan just completely falls apart in front of the cops. Yeah, he just like, folds in on himself. <laughs> But it it has he he's immediately going back to the the dialogue that he has with Caesar where it says Caesar says we're a team man it's us don't worry about it yeah. we're I'm we're we're together on this and then when he tries to get something out of Caesar saying like hey tell them tell them what's up tell them I didn't hurt anybody tell them this was like for the right reasons 
he gets nothing yeah. out of Caesar. Yeah, Caesar is this he's just putting him out the dry, right? So then um and then like and then we get uh, Jonathan gets arrested. Um Caesar doesn't care. Uh, that's not where I wrote my notes here, but I'm not gonna have Terry say that out loud. Uh so at that point, so Jonathan's gone, Caesar's there, Susan comes in and was like, Hey, uh, what's going on? And then Caesar's like, You and I, we're gonna go places. It's like, okay. So he realizes that like um, Jonathan's not going to do anything more for him. This young girl who I don't know how that's going to work out on Broadway for now, but they're going to partner up and they're going to work together. Cause she doesn't want to be in this flop house anymore. And then the episode ends on a, the, one of the most odd notes where he's like, Hey, you still got those poison darts. I'm like, Oh, you're just going to kill your caretaker. Is that what we're doing? Is that where we're at with this? That's messed up, but it's all kind of played for comedy. It's like, that got way darker. Like just, yeah. Yeah, definitely darker. And I, you know, you can see that Caesar knows what his overall goal is here. He's a transient. He's moving from wherever the best location is or moving to the best location. It is for him to survive. He sees this little girl. He knows that she's ruthless and she'll do what she needs to do (laughs) to get ahead. She is ruthless. Dude, she is like, the person that he needs to be with. So I think the only reason that he didn't, uh, I don't know, brain her after he smoke, uh, like crushed her, uh, crushes smoke. was because he saw her as a viable yeah. option to move past Jonathan, who he, he viewed as a weak character. And I actually think that him robbing the club was setting him up. Oh, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, that's your episode where we have uh, the puppet being a, um, you know, a sentient being from the jump. Uh, so that's not a surprise. Uh, so I guess the big surprise is that he was setting, he, he was tired of Jonathan was kind of like trying to like get him out of the way to get to Susan. That's interesting to me. Um, so there, there's, there's bones here. Yeah. And, and, and um, the, that Caesar has moved to Jonathan at yeah. this point too, which we didn't cover that. Um, Jonathan was saying, Oh, I can't believe that that guy left you, you know, for a dame a or, or whatever. whatever yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh, okay. So we see that there's a little bit of like a backstory here to Caesar as a character as well. Had had anybody involved with the, like the writer or producer paid attention to season three, that could have been an interesting tie-in to the previous episode, The Dummy. I'll get to trivia in a second. They they it was never on their radar. Hmm. But you could have you could have had this weird like nebulous like huh moment, but you didn't have it. Uh, but it's still still it still hints at like a bigger thing with the doll. I get it. So um, yeah, uh, that's your episode. Um, you know, not for me, not great. But again, like I I didn't hate it, but it was just like this thing started off odd, and it it landed odd, but it wasn't like um, like oh I like that it went this direction. It was more like. I don't know why it's doing this. That, that's that's kind of where I landed on it. Like, and and that's fair because I, I felt pretty much the same way that there were certain motives to this this episode and how it was constructed, and I didn't really understand why they did it that way. Yeah. Um, I would have played it in a completely different way because it seemed it, it seemed like it would have worked in other ways better for our motives and why characters would have done the things that they did. I didn't understand what Susan's motive was. I didn't like, 
No. Who burned her? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, get some friends, little girl. Come on. What the hell are you doing locked up in this uh, halfway house or whatever it is? Yeah. I mean, it's just that that wasn't given enough room to breathe. Um, you, Yeah, you're right that uh, Jonathan was weak from the start. Um, and so his his admission to the police just it didn't it it worked story wise, but it didn't work emotionally for me. Right. And nothing against um uh, uh Jackie um Cooper. Yeah, nothing like I think he like his performance is fine. Like I think he read the script and was like, oh, I'm gonna play this Irish. I think that was the goal, right? I think he actually brought that in. And they changed it a little bit. Because I think he wanted to kind of challenge things a little bit as well. Um, but like he was good. He was okay. It's just that I feel like the script didn't serve him knowing what we know about him being like this, like, like, um, like lifelong figure in the industry. I, I, I think he deserves something a little better. I, I feel like he was definitely a character with a lot of loss in his past and everything. And, you know, giving up his, his, uh, watch, in yeah. the beginning of the episode, it shows that he has some roots to his past and that because it was his grandfather's watch and he was really bummed about giving it up for only five bucks. Like, why didn't we get him coming back and getting that watch? Like something that'll be like, you know, like something just a bit of like, yeah, like that and paying the rent and getting the watch, showing that like things are turning around as opposed to just like, like it's like the next day things are done. Like, I don't know. I mean, again, you can. This this episode's what's like fifty plus years old. Like you can reexamine and, and cut it apart as much as you want. And it will, I, I I'm always guilty of rewriting episodes, but I need a more here. Like, and I think there's a lot of merit to those discussions too, though. It's like uh, otherwise we wouldn't get some of the renditions that we got from the '80s and '90s because some of these episodes were actually remade. Mm-hmm. Not this one in particular. But we do get some of those remade episodes. Well, like I'd even like point to magic being as kind of like hinting at some of this, right? Like, I mean, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And, and, and even like I know there's the goosebumps stuff with like the evil doll or whatever, right? Like, and evil evil dummies, like we're never going to be rid of them. Uh, child's play. I mean, yes, well, friends Tom to Holland's the end. Child's play. Friends to the end. He's like, we're this to the end. The very very beginning and, and, statement and, here. And, yeah. and, and, and sorry, uh, together forever is what they say. Not friends <laughs> to the end. It's the same thing. Yeah, but yes. you know, even that that script when it was initially written that was like a little bit closer to some of the twilight zone stuff that we know. Yeah. And uh, Tom Holland changed some of it. I was actually just recently listening to a conversation with him. I uh, Mick Garrison. Uh, it was a really enlightening uh, look at what we are, what we just covered. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the idea, like the, this is, <laughs> it's an interesting idea. Um, I almost feel like this is one of those ones handled correctly with the right people. Like, you know, guiding it through, this could have been a qu- hour long episode, like something in season four done right. Yeah. Right. Cause there's more legs here. Like there, there's something here. I mean, sure. You could tell the story in 24 minutes, but I think, I think there should have been more of a developmental thing of the, the power imbalance between uh, Caesar and Jonathan. I think with bringing Susie and Su- Susan in, I think there's more exploration there. I think, you need to see him riding high before the legs get kicked out from under him. Like there's a lot here that you could add value to. Um, as it is presented to me, it's, it's oddly paced, um, oddly scripted. And you know, it does, it doesn't land everything, but I, I can appreciate what it was trying to do. 
Um, is this going to be like, you know, like my top of the, the season? No. Is it going to be in the bottom? I don't think so. It's just one of those ones where it's like, there was an opportunity here and it didn't quite hit. Doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad. It's just, you know, when you go back to look at the 130 plus episodes of the Twilight Zone, is this going to be one that you're going to be like, you know, what? I, I need to watch that one again. You know? Yeah, it, it wasn't unwatchable, but at the same point, there's no, a lot. It was of, not Sounds and Silences. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. Um, it, but at the same point, it's like there there are certain criticisms that just need to be put out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another uh, good uh, dummy episode of a show is uh, Tales from the Crypt with God, uh, Bobcat Goldwaith. Um, there's a, I forget what the name of the episode is, but there's a really good, uh, dummy episode of that as well. Okay. And there was even one on the X-Files called, I think it was called Chinga that Stephen King wrote that, you know, it's creepy. Like cre- doll, dolls, ventriloquist dummies. Like that's, that, that's easy, easy gold to mine. Right. Oh yeah. That's like, like, did you, did you see that piece of shit movie dead silence that came out a few years ago? <laughs> it was decent. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a piece of shit. <laughs> a decent piece of shit. It was solid. It was, yeah, it was a solid was piece of shit. Uh, oh, wait, here we go. Wait, wait. Idle hands make for an unproductive poop deck. <laughs> Especially with some solid pieces of shit. No, because the whole thing was like, it was kind of trying to lean into the saw thing with like the dummy stuff. It just, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't buy it. Like, it was frustrating. But. Um, you, there, there's cool things that can be done. I know I mentioned like shitty Batman villains, but there's the one, all, oh, oh, um, uh, my co-host on invasion is going to yell at me. Um, there, there's a villain of Batman that is like a mob boss, but he has a dummy that's like running the show. Like it's this whole thing where I, it, yeah. was that in the animated series? Yeah, it was, but yeah. I think it's an actual, uh, like villain. Where it's like, you know, if he gets the dummy, suddenly everything's Yes, I again. know, I yeah. know exactly of what you're talking about. And that's about. fun to be there, there's some fun to be had there. I think there I think there are some fun fun stories to be told. Uh, but and this and this one's it's it's okay. It's just, you know, it's where we're at. So did you have well, I know your computer's dead. <laughs> Any other notes you want to get into before we, we get into some trivia and our twist? Actually, no, I I I mean, you know, like okay. anything else I was gonna bring up uh <laughs> is gone. It's dead. It's, it's gone. gone, it's gone, <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. It boiled over with the potato soup. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So the dummy used in this episode we mentioned previously uh was created in the 1940s by a puppet maker named uh, Rivello Pete. The same dummy was used one year earlier in the 62 episode episode, um, the dummy, uh, that Cliff Robertson used a figure of this puppet could be seen at Disney's Hollywood studios in the dark corner of a, a barred off exhibit of, uh, the twilight zone of terror back when they had that running on the West coast of, cause it, I think that's not got changed to, uh, the guardians of the galaxy breakout that ride. So they, they, there was the, okay. So you're shaking your head at me. So meaning, do you know the Tower of Terror that yeah. they released the ride? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that was a that was a um, Disney like, type thing. But it was a Disney ride, but it was like produced a little bit like I, it's like not Paramount, but like um, maybe Paramount because they made a movie of this too. Yeah, there was a made for like TV movie, and there's another one in production now yep. or hinted at with ScarJo in it. ScarJo, yes, but it's like one of those things where it's like so the the, the Tower of Terror as a, a um, as a ride still exists in one of the overseas. Hmm. things um but yeah so in this one i think this was the one was the west coast the dummy was there it could be seen in a dark corner but now that it got remade as uh guardians of the galaxy like breakout 
So I don't think that's there anymore. But yeah, anyway, that's cool that they actually referenced this dummy in particular in that ride. I think that's fun. So, all right. So other, other trivia I have, I have here, according to the Twilight Zone Encyclopedia, and can I just mention to you, Terry, and the audience at large, uh, I know we're nine episodes out from finishing the series. I realize that now I'm going to sound like um, uh, an un- uneducated idiot after nine episodes because I had three books helping me the past few years. I'm not going to have any books going forward. So it's going to be like, I don't know, things happen. So anyway, so I just fingers ap- crossed. Appreciate the information as I give it to you. So according to the Twilight Zone Encyclopedia, Stephen J. Rubin, it's a wonderful book. Um, so, uh, so in regards to this way, I was teasing earlier about Room Frog. William Frog, um, he remembered Caesar and me was written by my secretary, Adele Strasfeld, the only woman to write up to the twilight zone. I didn't know it, but the story had been done before in the third season episode, the dummy about a magician whose dummy comes to life and murders him, which that's not even accurate. All right. If I had known that I wouldn't have given her the okay to write it. Uh, it had been produced three years before, but since nobody had remembered it, it didn't matter. I'm going to stop before I read anything else here. Um, that's really shitty to me. That's like, you didn't even understand what came before the twilight zone. When you greenlit this, that seems gar- It's like, you didn't even care enough to understand what episodes had come previous to what you're producing now. That, that seems like, like a major faux pas to me. Am I, am I off base about that? No, not at all. I mean, if you're a producer, you should know what the hell is going on. Yeah. I mean- Cause when he greenlit this, it's like, it's, it's, very similar to that. They're different, but yeah, I, that, that, that kind of frustrates me. It just shows me as a producer, like how he was all about like getting things done as opposed to like honoring the tradition of the show. That's my vibe. Your mileage may vary. <clears throat> all right. So, um, all right. So then where we're we at here, uh, but since nobody had covered it yeah, blah, 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 blah. I inherited Adele when I came over to the twilight zone. Uh, she said, uh, she wanted to do the story and outline it, so I told her to go ahead and do it. Um, all right. Uh, when Serling was confronted about this, he said, perhaps women basically are too practical by nature to be interested in exploring the world of fantasy. I think he was trying to be polite. I don't like, I think he was, I think he knew that everybody was capable of writing about like things, right? So, but I think he was so detached from what was going on that that was his kind of blanket statement. Uh, recalled actress uh, Morgan Brittany, who was Susan in this episode, Suzanne. I'm really glad I got Caesar and me. I had previously auditioned for a role in Mute in the Bewitching Pool. Thank you for not getting those. Like, you don't deserve that. <laughs> um, but those, role went, those roles with Angelina and Mary uh, Batum. I had so much fun playing a bad girl. The director, Robert Butler, uh, would work uh, with me, and he really encouraged me to, do, to, to be the mean girl. Good. Well, all right. Mission accomplished. And one scene where I'm listening uh, at Jackie Cooper's door and I get busted. He told me to get right up in Jackie's face and, and stay my ground. Jackie was great to work with. He had been a child actor, so he knew exactly how to relate to me. We had a ball. It's wonderful when you can work with people like that, when you have such a, a connection, What uh, which we really did. We rehearsed it, rehearsed it like a play. Uh, that was the greatest thing about doing the Twilight Zone. You get rehearsal time, and it wasn't just about lighting or blocking. Uh, and then she mentioned it like they asked how creepy the dummy was. The dummy didn't freak me out because the guy who was doing the voice was sitting over on the side. He was a funny old dude who made me laugh between those shots when you make the noises or tell jokes in the dummy's voice. 
So, and then she also remembers Sterling sitting off in the distance for a lot of the episodes, just kind of watching. So she didn't really get to know him, but she always saw the silhouette of this guy sitting in a chair smoking. So, anyway, she had fun. Uh, Frog didn't even pay attention to season three. That's frustrating to me. Yeah, it's a real bummer, and I, yeah. I don't understand why it would have been played that way. I mean, if you're a producer, you should be connected with everything that's going on on set. Uh, you know, that's why you're yeah. a producer. And especially if someone's running a story about you, and be like, oh, do we already have a dummy story? Like, this season? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so that just kind of tells you where, where the show was at this point of, like, uh, competent but maybe not passionate hands. Right? So, all right. Um, that's, that's it for the trivia. Let's just uh, rate that twist. The twist for me is the dummy turning on uh, the you know the main guy and then partnering up with Suzanne or Susan. I didn't necessarily see that coming, so I'll give that a three. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll give that a four because okay. I wouldn't have yeah. expected that either. If you if you put it in that kind of context, yeah, um, yeah, that that's a pretty good twist. Is you know, and and like to, to our audience, if you're newer to the yeah, the, sorry, the twist is one out of five. Yes. Yeah. So if you're if you're just tuning in now, this is your first experience listening to the podcast. The twist is only um, on what we expected and didn't expect out of the episode, yeah. not us liking it or disliking it. So yeah, the the, the idea that the dummy was to just poison darts for her to take out her uh, guardian. I'll give that a five. That was dark. Yeah, yeah, that was pre- pretty messed up. But mm-hmm. uh, you know. It was a it was an interesting episode. I don't know if I'd ever revisit it. Um, I'm glad that we watch it. it. You know, this is what we do here. Um, to get back to what I was saying earlier about uh, another uh, interesting storyline that involves a dummy, uh, the god, uh, the uh, the Godfather. Bo- that's what, not the Godfather. Um, the Bobcat Goldwith um, episode uh, was Billy Goldman from <laughs> the Tales from the Crypt. So Billy Goldfight. Um, so yeah please check that out um Mm -hmm. but yeah the twist was you know it was interesting um to get back to it but you know there you go so all right let's go do it for our discussion about caesar and me uh yeah you guys can find us on um at uh facebook at strange highways you can email us directly at strange highways uh podcast at gmail.com uh we asked last week for some suggestions about what we should do going forward we did get some people reaching out to us and they mentioned alfred hitchcock presents and some episodes in that gallery um yeah we're down for all that like i just uh, alfred hitchcock presents is like the 100 200 episodes it's like there's a lot to dig in there I think we might hit some of the highlights and just kind of like yeah. move on. Like I trek around because it was trying, a, trying to run Hitch- that series is going to we're we're going to be dead. Yeah, Alfred but. Hitchcock Hour, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yeah, uh, there's, there's the half hour and then the hour long. Yeah, yeah there's 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 a lot of content there. Uh, let, please let us know uh, if either one of those interest you. Um, I would definitely be down for either one of them. Oh yeah, for I'm sure. Gonna, like I know uh, Lambs the Slaughter was brought up to me recently. They're, they're supposed to be like, and they're, they're in the Hitchcock directed episodes as, as, as that one is, that might be more of interest to me. However, I'm not saying those are the only high points to the series. Maybe yeah. there's like a best of that we can dig into. Uh, yeah. Like it's in the, our show is anthology based. It has been focused on the twilight zone, the original series. Uh, but that does not mean that we're not afraid to take a detour, which we just did like two weeks ago for the amusement park. Um, yeah, give us suggestions. We greatly appreciate it. And like wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us, 
recommend us to others. If you guys are like, Hey, they, um, they talk shit about dummies. Listen to this, listen to this podcast. I don't know what that means, but it's like, they hate little girls. Like, listen to this podcast. Hey, Paul, guess what? What? You can also find us on Instagram. What? Oh, I got rolled into another pitch. All right. Amazing. Dude, yeah. We're on Instagram. Please check us out on there. Um, we're putting some good stuff up. Uh, it's a little shaky every now and then. Uh, I get caught up in uh, life. Um, but guess where else you could find us, Paul? Um, here in our my house right now as we record. Well, you know. Uh, please don't find us here. <laughs> we're trying to do business. Yeah, here. And we're not wearing pants. Oh. It gets a little weird. Yeah, and it, yeah, please. It's so hot. Um, no, you. if you guys are going to be in the area of Monroeville this weekend. Pennsylvania. Yeah, Western yeah, Pennsylvania. But yeah, well, Pennsylvania. If you guys are going to be in Monroe, Pennsylvania. Monroeville, Pennsylvania. Mon- Monroe, Monroeville. Monroeville. <laughs> yeah. Monroeville. <laughs> It, it's near Pittsburgh. It's Monroeville. There's there's a mall. Yeah, we're gonna a, be there. A convention. Uh, we are not sponsored by them. Uh, we are you know we're doing a thing. Uh, we're gonna be at a convention over there, uh, July second through the fourth. Uh, yeah. I will be roaming the the mall that Dawn of the Dead was filmed. So yeah, we're um, gonna be going to the uh, the was it Living Dead weekend. Yep. Uh, in Monroeville, I'm gonna be there with 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 Terry. Uh, with with my other podcast, friends of and, shows, yeah, Steve, <laughs> I then uh, po- uh, friends of the show, Richard, uh, Samuel uh, Newman of uh, At the Devil's Ball is going to be there as well. Uh, you know, we're all going to be there. Um, we'll, we'll try to get some content. I, there's no no promises because it's all it's a little weird because we're there for fun, and so it's hard to immediately be like, "Hey guys, do you guys want to record an episode of the podcast?" But maybe we'll have some content. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. And then um, have to reach out real, guy, uh, real quick again. Uh, thank you to Carol, uh, listener of the show. Uh, we enjoy your feedback. Uh, we can't wait to hear uh, what you want to listen to because uh, you made some suggestions. She, mes- she mentioned a very specific, specific episode of the Night Gallery that I'm not sure the title of, but it sounds like a like a, a undead foot shows oh. up. I'm all about that. Oh, I, I guess <laughs> I guess we we do have a uh, recommended episode. So yeah. thank you, Carol. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate all the love. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, uh, we have uh, the Jeopardy room. Uh, let, let Mr. Schilling tease that. And now, Mr. Serling. Next time out, you'll share a study in depth of human terror with Martin Landau and John Van Drelen. You'll stay in a hotel room of a European city which has been booby-trapped with a plastic bomb. You'll walk around this room with violent death resting on your shoulder. It could be anywhere. A picture, a chair, a faucet, or simply the carpet you're walking on. Next time out in the Twilight Zone, the Jeopardy room. <laughs> I like somebody predicted escape rooms before it happened. But, it, uh, but Martin Landau... Uh, another uh, connection to uh, things we've talked about recently, but he was in one of the first episodes of the Twilight Zone, uh, Mister Denton on Doomsday. So it'd be nice to to kind of bookend the experience. Yeah, with him. That, that's yeah. awesome. I'm yeah. glad that he, we're going to be able to see and talk about him again. Oh yeah, Terry's going to be so frustrated because I'm going to mention uh, North by Northwest because Martin Landau was in that. Uh, you know, one of Terry's favorite movies. No, it's not true, uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go live in that weekend, have fun. Be dumb, but then after that, we're going to come back for the Jeopardy room that does not have Alex Trebek, sadly. Uh, I, I've not seen this episode. This sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so in the meantime, have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, I don't know, like, don't rob shit. And also, don't trust little girls. They're evil. Uh, be safe this July 4th.
Susan, why don't you go find somebody else? The truth hurts. And you're too scared to tell my aunt because you're behind in your rent. 